What's up? I'm Joey, and this is the Owning It Podcast. After years of wearing a suit and tie, he said, I've had enough of the litigating lie. And so he struck out on his own. He's a lawyer and a speaker and a business coach. This is Owning It with Joey C. Trademarks, copyrights, What is up, everybody? Today, we are going to talk about a topic that you probably wouldn't expect a a lawyer to talk about. We're going to be talking about burnout. At the time of recording this podcast, I know we're just like weeks away from when we set those New Year's resolutions and those big goals. And if you're like most human beings, there's probably a little tiny part of you, or maybe not so tiny, that is feeling a little burnt out already by those New Year's resolutions that you set, by those big goals that you set. So I wanted to bring on a guest who could talk about dealing with that burnout. But not just any guest. I wanted to bring my friend Jennifer on, who's a strengths finder expert, who's really connected the dots between that strengths finder personality test and burnout. And I should say that strengths finder is now called Clifton Strengths. So Jennifer Bassman is a certified Clifton Strengths coach and is the author of Stop Being a Doormat. She works to extinguish burnout one entrepreneur, one person at a time. And in this episode of Owning It, Jennifer and I are going deeper into how exactly this all connects. This personality type, this Clifton Strengths, their Strengths Finder, and this idea of burnout. I hope you find this conversation as fascinating and as eye-opening as I did. Now, to give you a little bit of context for the very beginning of this episode, we start out by talking about these two concepts that are pretty important in this world of Strengths Finder or Clifton Strengths, which is a personality test. And it's this idea of basements versus balconies. So the way that this personality test works is that it helps you identify those five or so personality traits that really are your strengths. They're your natural, God-given, universe-given strengths. But just because they're your natural strengths doesn't mean that you are using them as well as you can. So there's this really interesting concept of being either in the basement or in the balcony with respect to your strengths. And a lot of people have burnout because, well, they're not living in the balcony of their strengths. You know what? Jennifer says this better than I do. Let's dive into it. So real quick, I just want to be straight with you about one of my biggest legal tips. And here it is. Without trademarks, you do not own your brand. Like, legally speaking, you do not have the rights to things like your business name, your program, your signature method, the name of your podcast, your logo, your slogan, all that stuff. And as someone who's helped a lot of entrepreneurs when they're forced to rebrand, I want to help you avoid these nightmare situations. So I've created a free training that walks you through my signature method for helping my clients and students get trademarked. Now, if you want to protect your brand and gain authority, grab your free seat and watch this free training. You can find it at www.joeycvitale.com trademark. I'm giving away a free gift just for attending. So again, go to joeycvitale.com trademark or just click the link in the show notes. Okay, back to the show. 
Can you talk a little bit about like, do you know, were basements always a part of StrengthsFinder or did they add them in to fill an advanced gap or something? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I feel like that's something that evolved over time, Mm. you know, as they learned more about the strengths and they learned more about how to describe them in a relatable fashion. You can have what's called balcony behavior with each strength or you can have Mm. basement behavior with each strength. And actually it's called something entirely different now. And I Forgive me, I can't even, and I don't even remember it because it didn't resonate with me. I love the balcony and basement um, Same. analogy. It just really hits, you know, and I think it's visually people really understand it too, a lot more than the newer terms that they're using. But, you know, the balcony behaviors, when you, you know, you're in the groove, you're in, you know, you've got the jam, you know, you're totally moving and shaking with your strengths. Everything is running according to plan or how your strength, it, you're operating your, at your best with your mm. strength. And the basement is when you're not, you're, it's the polar opposite of what the balcony behavior is. It means that you really haven't found your stride with that strength yet, or you're using behavior that is anti or opposite of how that strength should operate. And it tends to do more harm than good. And it's that basement behavior that leads to the burnout because you're doing something over and over and over again that's not working because it's not a strength. Now, it's not how that strength should operate. Okay, help me understand this. So if I take the strengths finder or Clifton strengths test and it spits out those five top strengths that I have, mm-hmm. does that mean that I'm automatically living in the balcony of those five or could no. I be living in the basement of my top five strengths? Yes. Usually Mm. a lot of us are, or, you know, we're kind of in some weird middle ground because we don't have an understanding of what that strength actually is yet. And initially when you take your strength finders assessment and you learn what your strengths are at that point, they're just considered a talent. Your talent doesn't actually become a strength until you put the time in to practice it, until you put the time in to actually develop that strength Mm. and have a true understanding of how it should operate at a balcony level and also what it looks like at a basement level. So interesting. Yeah. So that strength isn't like an, just knowing your strengths doesn't make you an overnight success. It's you've got to put that time and effort into learning how that strength operates and works best for you. I mentioned my responsibility strength earlier. Mm. Responsibility may look different on me than it does to the other several million people that also have the strength. And what also affects how your strength works and operates is the other strengths that are around it and, you know, in their rankings. So my top five strengths, um, my number one is maximizer. Number two is input. Number three is responsibility. Number four is arranger. And number five is activator. And my number one strength, maximizer is also a perfectionist talent. I see something good and I want to make it great. So as I was describing earlier with that responsibility talent or that responsibility strength that I had high standards for myself, that meant that I was always working to improve. And that's because it's so close to my maximizer, my number one maximizer, it looks a little bit more like maximizer, picks up some of the Mm. effects that the maximizer strength has. And it's, it's really interesting how those all kind of work and play together. Number six for me is strategic. 
And I swear it's a tie for probably number five (laughs) with my activator because I see it so much in myself. Mm. It means that I'm always strategizing in my head. I'm always thinking about how to get from point A to B or A to Z fast. (laughs) Like what's the best solution? And often with a high strategic like myself, you get to that process that your mind goes through to get from point A to B um, isn't always that clear to other people. You have trouble showing your math is the way I kind of like to describe that. I have trouble showing my math, I should say. So I tend to lose people along the way because they're, I get to that solution so quickly. Others have trouble following me. They kind of look at me like I'm a little bit crazy. And you said that's the strategic one? That's the strategic one. Okay. Because I think I also, I'm actually pulling up my strengths now and I'm pretty sure that one is strategic for me. And the reason, just to repeat, the reason why I love talking about this stuff is because the podcast is called Owning It. And to me, this is all about like, how can we perform as well as we can? And And this, it's, it's perfect for your podcast, not to, to any, my one horn or anything, but you've got to own your strengths. You've got to own your talents in order for them to be, take you to the next level in order to make them make you successful. Absolutely. If you're not owning them, they take you nowhere. Absolutely. And strategic, I think, shows itself for me in an interesting way because I'm also, my top one is a learner. Okay. And my top three is individualization. And Ooh. I'm sure you'll give me the actual terminology here, but listening to you talk about how your strengths feed off of each other. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have uh, more like creatively bent strengths. Mm -hmm. And that is interesting when it blends with my strategic strength, because you talked about how sometimes you can figure out the answer and people just might not know how to follow you to that. Yeah. Sometimes I will have a random idea and people won't know how I like randomly thought of it. Like my wife has had to get really good when we're watching Star Wars and I'm just like, hey, what do you think about like chicken tacos from this place? Understanding what must have been happening or what I was doing on my phone to get there because she's like, you won't even be able to explain it. (laughs) Like you're the most random guy I've ever met. And so we were actually talking about webinars before. And I, I tell you, webinars have turned into a really great thing for my personality type because that's awesome. the tool of a webinar forces me to connect those dots and say, here's, you know, here's like that, like home run light bulb moment that I want to get to. And here's how I can get better and better at teeing that up. What are your, uh, what, tell me your top five in order. Sure. Number one is learner. Number two is achiever. Number three is individualization. Okay. Four is strategic and (laughs) five is belief. Oh, very cool. I never would have guessed that one. They tell us not to try and guess, but you always kind of sit there and go, you play that game in your head as coach. Like, I wonder if I can figure out which one sure. Joey is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, that's, I mean, and you've got a great coaching mix up here too. The learner is so interesting. Learners, um, achiever actually start off there. Achiever is the most common strength across the board in the United States. Oh, interesting. Most common strength. Yeah. It's in my twenties somewhere. <laughs> um, Yeah. Individualization, I think is the one that you see a lot with your webinars and your coaching, um, because individualization means that you can see things that are special about other people. Mm. And then you like to come up with solutions that are special to that person. You know, in the conversation that we were having prior to recording, you're doing a lot of that. 
you know, yep. you were kind of digging down and asking the right questions and making that a very personalized experience that, you know, tailored to my interests, tailored to my strengths. Mm. And that is a very um, necessary thing to have as a coach, to be able to see and intuit other people's special needs, you know, your special needs, what makes you, what makes each individual unique and special. And you want to cater to that. I love this. Okay. So back to basements, because I love, (laughs) (laughs) I love this. I I love this perspective of the basement to the strength. Is there any good example of my top five that we could zoom in on and be like, okay, what, what could it look like if I was in the basement in one of these? Oh, dude, let's do achiever. That one's easy. (laughs) So achievers. And I love my husband's a number one achiever. Um, and I watch this with him every single day. You know, he lives with the Strengths Finders coach and he still does this basement. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> achievers, achievers are hardworking and achievers are technically overachievers. You guys aren't happy until, and I say you guys because it is way low in my strengths ranking. Um, you aren't <laughs> happy <laughs> until you have literally achieved something, whether it is knocking everything off your to-do list, reaching some random goal, that you've set for yourself um, or for your team, but it's that constant seeking that pushes you forward, that keeps you climbing higher and higher and taking, you know, steps towards your goal to wanting to achieve your goal. And basement behavior for achievers can be overworking. And I, and I want to put this caveat with overworking because what is overworking to an achiever, it looks vastly different than what overworking looks like to someone like me who is mm. not high on the achiever list. <laughs> Even though I have high standards for myself and I say I'm going, you know, I end up doing what I say I'm going to do for other people. It looks much, that looks much different than the pressure that achievers put on themselves to finish. So mm. a great example, and I'm holding my husband out to dry here. <laughs> he's fine with it. He's getting used to it. If he doesn't get his to-do list done by the end of the day, he can't sleep at night. If he is working towards a goal and he ends up taking two steps back instead of one step forward during the day, that will also keep him up at night. Achievers always have to be driving and always have to be moving forward. And that tends to lead to a lot of overworking. But achievers, what puts achievers in the basement with overworking is they don't know where their cutoff is. They don't know when you know, enough is enough. They haven't made that decision for themselves ahead of time. And so they end up working hours upon hours upon hours and kind of digging themselves this trench that they can't get out of um, until they end up literally collapsing on their desk. And the trick to keeping themselves out of the basement with that behavior is it's fine. You know, my husband could work 16, 20 hours a day and be totally fine with that. And that doesn't, I mean, he's tired, but he's not like, that would exhaust me for him. That makes him feel he's tired, but he feels accomplished. You know, he got what he wanted done by the end of the day. And he's great with that and stop, you know, stopping him from working like that is actually detrimental. Like it's not good for me to sit, you know, walk in after eight hours and go, okay, turn your laptop off. It's time to be done because that will cause him more stress (laughs) than anything else. If he doesn't get to finish what he intended to start out doing. And so what leads to basement behavior for a lot of achievers is that they don't sit down with themselves ahead of time and say, this is what success looks like at each and every step. 
this is, you know, this is when I know I've gone too far, or this is the, when these feelings start to bubble up and these feelings start to arise, I know that I need to start winding down for the day, or I need to take a break. And a lot of achievers just plow straight through those feelings or plow straight through those thoughts without caring. And they end up burning themselves out. They end up being exhausted. Sometimes it even starts down this failure, you know, um, slide, you know, that you can't get some of them off because they didn't accomplish their goals or they didn't finish a project on time or they didn't finish a project at all. It leads to these crazy thoughts of failure. And it's really tough to watch that with achievers because you can't fix the fact that they didn't finish something, right? But what you can finish, what you can fix is that, hey, next time we need to set these incremental goals that are actually, or, um, you know, sit down with yourself and say, hey, when I start feeling X, Y, and Z, it's time to take a 10 minute break, get up and walk around for a little bit. Or that's when I know I need to close the laptop for the night and come back to it tomorrow. You used the word pressure earlier. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of a common denominator across the strengths with the basement that there's just like a pressure on the strength? It's a great question. I'm going to say, yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, there, I think there is to some extent um, pressure because, you know, with each strength, whether, you know, because belief doesn't seem like a strength that would lend itself to pressure, you know, Mm. from the outside. But I think that people that are high in belief, like yourself, that when um, you're not living up to your values, or when other people aren't living up to what you perceive they need to live up to when it comes to their values or their ethics, you probably feel some pressure, maybe even just literally feel it in your chest, maybe not just, I'm not talking just about peer pressure or work pressure or the pressure to climb the corporate ladder. It's pressure in a variety of forms, but maybe with belief, it's physical pressure in your chest that you're feeling like that hurts my heart that somebody doesn't um, believe what I do, or that goes against Mm. my beliefs that somebody would feel that way or ask me to do A, B, or C. And if someone isn't in the basement of, let's just move forward with the belief example, are they automatically in the balcony or is there like a middle space? There is a middle space. Okay. You know, um, I think there's that middle space when you're just learning what your strengths are. Okay. Your balcony behavior comes about when you're using that, using it truly as a strength in mm. um, its highest form and its best form, whatever that talent is, you're using it to the best of your ability, to the best of that strength's ability. And you'll know that that's happening because you'll feel it. There's kind of an intrinsic feeling that you're firing on all pistons and everything's going the way that it should go. And you'll know it too, because your work, the things that you do in life, the activities that you get involved in, they all correspond with what your strengths are. You'll find yourself involved in activities that are calling to your strengths. Um, a great example of that for me was, um, the first brick and mortar business that I had, I sat down and did an exercise with myself. Um, this was when I knew what my strengths are, which was after I had sold that business and I sold that business because I was no longer happy running that business. Mm. It actually stressed me out. And it was the beginning of my downward spiral into burnout. And what I found through this exercise is that I wasn't doing anything in that job, owning that business, oddly enough, that was calling to any of my strengths. And um, the one strength that was actually getting somewhat used on a daily basis, I was definitely in the basement, that strength. Mm. So um, you've got to find, that's why it's so important, I think, to find 
you know, when you get your strengths, when you learn what your strengths are, you know, they tell you to start with your top five, which is great. But I say, learn your top 10, because that gives you a fuller Mm. picture. Really learn what the definition of each strength looks like, but learn what the definition of what that strength looks like on you so that you'll know Mm. when you're hitting it. You're not just learning it, which is kind of the middle ground. You're living it, which is up in the balcony. You know, I tell people all the time, like these personality tests are only helpful as a tool for you to get better. And it's not meant for you to put yourself in a box or kind of blame the personality type when things don't go your way or to be stubborn because you have a certain way of doing something. If it's okay with you, I would love to bring up something that I recently learned from a book that I love because I think it intersects with this really, really powerfully. And I think that you'll have a really great perspective here. So the book that I read, it's one of the, it's the best book that I read in 2020. I don't know many people who have read it. It's called The Three Laws of Performance. And there's a part in the book where it talks about how at a young age, we all have had these moments of like something's wrong and something's wrong with me. And the book gives some examples of being put into the like not super smart kids class and being like, oh, like I'm not smart or an older sibling like telling you to shut up and you feeling like you're worthless. And from that, we create a life sentence for ourselves of I'm stupid or I don't have anything worthwhile to say. Yeah. And then from those life sentences, we create uh, what a coach of mine calls winning strategies. At a very young age, we are told that we have these weaknesses and our safety and survival is at stake. So we, to the outside world, try and become smart or funny or whatever kind of the opposite of that weakness is to be on top of that. And then years later, we take tests like this and it seems like we have strengths or personality defaults that really point to something traumatic from our childhood. And I mean traumatic in kind of a minor way here, but it's like we built these strengths off of something that we were told was a weakness. And yeah, maybe now it's gotten to a point where it is a strength of ours, but it's rooted in something that we're very self-conscious about. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I almost want to cry at that mm. description because um, it's so relatable. And now as soon as we get done, I'm going to buy this book. I'll, I'll send you a copy. Yeah, no, I just, I, this is awesome. So I think that was one of the bit, one of the biggest things that was, that attracted me to the Clifton Strengths and the Strength Finders mm-hmm. material is that it, at the root of the whole system, basically the first law of Strength Finders is that you focus on your strengths and not your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, when you get your whole 34 report, a lot of coaches like myself will tell you to be familiar with what's at the bottom and then forget about it. Mm-hmm. And a large part of that is because we live in a society that is so weakness driven, um, so weakness based, and we focus on the weaknesses. We focus on what we have, what we do or we don't have, largely what we don't have. We are, we suffer from comparisonitis, thanks social media right there. God, that whole thing just hits home. And I'm thinking about a Jim Fortin podcast um, episode where I, he talks about, you know, why we compare each, you know, jealousy and why we compare ourselves to each other and um, that it's human nature that we do that. And it's human nature that we focus on what our weaknesses are. 
And the society we live in tells us that we need to fix those weaknesses um, instead of telling us the truth that we actually have some unique talents and some unique strengths that need to be focused on. And we need to be focused on finding those, rooting those out, and then using those. And then forgetting about what is considered a weakness or forget about what is something that you're just not good at. And I... So related to that, um, the example that you gave as a kid, it's not that anybody told me I was dumb. It was more, I was kind of just average um, when it came to school. And, um, you know, I just, there wasn't anything about school that made me feel special. There wasn't anything that I really excelled at, except for maybe writing. (laughs) But if you think about it, you know, as kids, we spend most of our time, you know, most of our time in school, most of our days in school. And that's a lot of time to be thinking about how you're not good at something. And, you know, you're going to subject after subject, primarily for me, those were math and science that I truly sucked at those. I still do. And, you know, our natural tendencies, especially with kids in school, is to keep putting them in a place or putting them in um, classes or situations where they have to keep working on those weaknesses you know, pounding it into them. At some point, this has to become a strength. And when it doesn't, what's wrong with you? Why can't you get this? And that resonates with me on such a deep level, just because the things that, you know, we learned, the classes, the way they were structured when I was growing up (laughs) in the eighties, you know, there was no such thing as ADD. I mean, it really was Mm. not a, um, something anybody paid attention to or really wasn't, I don't know, mainstream, you were just thought to have a behavior problem. And I had ADD as a kid. It's very apparent to my mom now. She feels awful. Mm. (laughs) That was my, you know, something that, you know, those things weren't talked about then, nor were they treated, you know, so different time, different place. Anyway, um, you know, I think about several scenarios where that happened where, you know, especially with math and science, they just were not my jam. I remember even in college, getting them out of the way in the first couple of semesters so that I never had to worry about them again. I just wanted them over and done with um, instead of, you know, kind of, <laughs> that's just kind of how I deal with problems. I'm kind of like, let's knock it out. <laughs> no elephant in the room. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's wrong. I don't know. But that's kind of how I had, to, I wanted to deal with that because I, literally haven't taken a math class since I was 19 years old. Um, thank God. <laughs> but, you know, we think, you know, I, I think about all the tutoring, all the extra time, all the extra classes, um, all the extra books, all the extra homework that I had to do for math and science classes over the years, you know, because they were trying to make me better at it, you know, make it a strength, something that I excelled at. And the truth is there isn't a kid, I shouldn't even say it's, there isn't a kid out there, but having somebody that can excel at all those subjects is so rare and we don't appreciate that. Yeah. So, so, well, I just, I wanted to circle back to the the basement idea and how that's Mm -hmm. a much more effective starting point than going into what your lowest strengths are. And when it comes to, you know, you helping people in this space and helping them with burnout, how much of helping people get from the basement to the balcony is just kind of tips and recommendations and we can do this and we can work through this versus maybe looking at the past more and saying, okay, what, what are the experience, like what are the root causes of the beliefs that you have that are making you act this way? So, I mean, some of it is behave, current behavior. 
you know, just behavior that they're exhibiting that, you know, in their current job or their current position in life that is strengths related that we can say, okay, you're trying to work on a strength that's actually a weakness and will never become a strength for you. So we Mm. need to get you out of a situation that keeps pigeonholing you into a natural weakness for you and move you into something that's a natural strength or it's a natural talent Mm. and build that into a strength. And I want to make it clear that basements are diff- much different than weaknesses. So basement, yeah. you know, a basement is something where you have the talent of that, ba- you know, of that particular strength. You're just not using it or you're not using it in an efficient manner. In a healthy to make it way. Yeah. In a healthy way. A weakness is definitely different because a weakness means that it's not a strength. It is not mm. a natural talent for you. And it, honestly, this is the hard part to hear for a lot of people. It never will be. You know, we get a little bit of strengths envy saying, oh my gosh, I wish I was a high achiever. I wish I had more discipline. I wish I was more woo. <laughs> I wish I had more woo. Not a problem for me with woo being number eight. Um, <laughs> plenty of woo here. There was um, one guy in my college class who was woo number one. Oh, and everybody so just kind of knew that it was coming when he shared it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Man, woos get a bad rap, but man, they are the life of the party. They they really are. And so I want to, and thank you for clarifying that difference. In terms of people enjoying this topic, wanting to learn more from you, I want people to know that, I mean, obviously you have a book and I'll make a note of that in the, in the show notes, but I also know that you're working on a a course that's going to be available soon. And I really wanted to connect the dots between these, these basements of these strengths and maybe your weaknesses, but really the basements of these strengths and burnout and, and how you're helping people who are experiencing burnout through this lens of strengths finder or Clifton strengths. And, you know, these, these strengths, these basements, these weaknesses, can you talk to people a bit more about how it is that you kind of focused on this theme of burnout and how, how this corpse helps people through the strengths finder lens? Absolutely. I love this question. It does seem like kind of a random, I think, path to some people that aren't familiar with what burnout is and what it takes to recover from it. I've been coaching burnout for getting close to, um, five years now, but, um, officially, sorry, you can probably hear my dog in the back. Um, He's an old man. He's an old man. Forgive him. It's like living with my grandpa right now. Um, (laughs) there's all these weird noises. Uh, but (laughs) anyway, when people burn out, part of it is from some bad habits. And one of the, what I consider a bad habit, um, in my book is they have a lack of boundaries. Mm. One, some of the top topics that I, you know, coach on a consistent basis with people is a lack of boundaries and inability to say no to people. They're people pleasers. They um, describe if they don't say the words themselves, they describe feeling like a doormat on a regular basis. And also people that uh, I I find that people have trouble managing expectations, their own, as well as other people's. Mm. And I know that, you know, I mean, I can relate to all that. I can definitely say I'm guilty of all those things. You know, guilt is another topic that crops up as well. Um, Quite often we feel bad for taking the time to care for ourselves. Um, We feel such a sense of responsibility to other people, um, to our employees, to our clients, to the world around us, to our family, that we don't take the time to stop and take care of ourselves first. But the link to the basements and the burnout is that, as we described earlier with basements, basement is 
basement behavior that is not congruent or doesn't make sense with that talent. It's Mm. using that strength or that talent for the opposite intention or, you know, not really what that Mm. strength is about or even overusing or over-relying on that strength can become basement behavior as well. And that leads to burnout very quickly because with behavior and habits, it's repeatable behavior. It's a cycle that you get into and you do it over and over and over again. And that's one of the problems with burnout is that you're in this cycle um, and it's a bad cycle and it's a fatiguing and tiring cycle as well as a very stressful cycle Um, not to be using your talents, not to be focusing on the things that you're the best at, not to be focusing on things that make you happy or focusing on things that lead you to success. And so we tend to burn out because we're focusing on our weaknesses. We're focusing on basement behaviors that don't contribute in a meaningful way to our talents or to our, even our day jobs. And so where I come in as a coach is I identify what those behaviors are. And one of the ways that I identify what those behaviors are is using a strength finders, the strength finders assessment tool. And so we identify what your strengths are because most of the time people can't tell you what they're good at. Mm, And when you're burned out, you think you're not good at anything anyway. Mm. (laughs) And so it really is a confidence booster to get this assessment back and have somebody from the outside identify for you, hey, these are the things that you're great at. If you just spend a little bit more time focusing on them, you're going to be amazing. And we can guarantee you success by focusing these top five talents, these top five strengths. You know, after we take that assessment and we make the, you know, we identify what those talents and those strengths are, we spend some time looking at current behavior. We spend some time looking at what your current responsibilities are with your job. As I mentioned earlier, um, with a brick and mortar business that I owned years ago, I wasn't able to attach any of my top, even my top 10 strengths to any of my, I identified 20 job responsibilities, 20 things that I did on a daily basis. And I only had one of Mm. my top 10 strengths attached to any one of those 20 tasks. And that was an eye-opener for me. And it's generally an eye-opener for the people that sit down and do that exercise because they realize they're in a no-win situation because they're either focusing on their weaknesses or they're using, you know, they're living in the basement of these talents and they, we Mm. need to figure out how to boost them up to the balcony. So helpful. So helpful. And I, I feel like um, by the time this episode goes live, if you guys are listening to it, I have a feeling that a lot of us are going to be experiencing that kind of New Year's resolution fallout. So if you're feeling that sense of burnout, I highly encourage you guys to go check out the show notes, go check out what Jennifer is doing. Hopefully her course is up by then. Um, But Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. This is such, I think, an important conversation. And I really love your perspective on all of it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that's Maybe we'll it. come back and talk about pandemic burnout later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's huge too. I mean, are you, yeah. are you sensing like out? Cause I understand that what you're doing is much bigger than just strengths finder before we leave. Are there any big takeaways or tips, or if I could leave you with one thing, it would be this for people who might be experiencing burnout, whether because of new year's or coronavirus or, or something else. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to all the people that don't know that they're burned out. Mm. If you find yourself constantly tired all the time, 
that you just can't seem to push through. You can't seem to get anything done. You're noticing that a job or tasks that you once loved or enjoyed doing now bring you no joy. Mm. <laughs> it's time to start looking at something. I'm not saying that it definitely is burnout, but it's definitely time to start looking at something, looking at burnout um, as a possibility because you could be sliding into it very slowly. I think a lot of people um, with the pandemic really did, um, did slide into it slowly working from home. It just kind of ate at them, you know, little by little. Yeah. And they can't figure out why the work that they once loved doing, you know, they should be happy. They're working from home. You know, they get to work in their PJs and they get to, you know, there's all these other perks and benefits, but they're not working. They're no longer working in an environment that suits them. They're no longer working with their colleagues in a way that um, once fulfilled them. And, you know, they've got a lot of stressors in their environment at home that are taking, taking their toll on their mental health as well as their physical health. And stress, I think, is something we take for granted as being temporary when it's quite chronic in a lot of us, especially with the pandemic. I would say a vast majority of our population has been in chronic stress since March of 2020. Mm -hmm. And that is, to me, very scary as somebody that's lived through chronic stress for years. Um, it's just something that I would really encourage people to do a little bit of research on. If they have any questions whatsoever and they're thinking, oh, is this burnout or not? Absolutely. Come find me, email me, you know, call me, whatever you need to do. Awesome. Um, we'll, we'll put all the contact yeah. information for you in the show notes. Definitely. Again, Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. Anytime. And uh, thank thanks you to time, all, of, all of the listeners who have listened. I know that this can, you know, sometimes listening to an episode like this can feel like you're implicitly like raising your hand. And so listening, having gotten this far, thank you for your, you know, bravery and your authenticity and saying, no, this is something that I need help with. So yeah, um, yeah own your burnout, <laughs> own it. All right, you own guys, I'll, I'll see you next time. All right, has this episode motivated you to take some action on the legal side? Well, good, here's a great next step for you. I've put together a free legal training that people have legit been raving about. I just got a DM telling me that this was the best legal presentation they've ever seen. Yes, you heard that right. Best legal presentation ever. Okay, maybe that's a pretty low bar, but hey, I'll take it. And another person told me that they've never really had a lawyer who they trusted to recommend to their business friends. But after watching this training, now they know that I'm their go-to guy. So if you're ready to stop being overwhelmed by all the legal stuff, you are going to freaking love this training. Check it out at joeycvitali.com slash trademark, or just click on the link in the show notes. This is owning it. Thanks for listening to Owning It with me, Joey C. Vitale. If you like the show and want to know more, check out joeycvitale.com. And I'm all about spreading those golden legal nuggets. So leave a review and let me know which golden nuggets you picked up from this episode. All right, see you next time. If you want